This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Not long now before the senior men take on Italy and Germany in their vital Nations League matches ahead of the World Cup. I'll be taking a look at that very soon. But this episode, we are once again celebrating the Lionesses. Following their European Championships win in the summer, they have now qualified for next year's World Cup to be held in Australia and New Zealand. The tournament is to be held from the 20th of July to the 20th of August next year, 2023. Uh, The majority of the competing nations have already qualified, although there are still playoffs still to be decided. And those include the likes of Wales and Scotland. And of course, nearer the time next year, we will take more of a look at it. But of course, there is the USA game next month at Wembley. And then they announce there is the fixture against the Czech Republic shortly afterwards. That is to be played down in Brighton once again. But here, this time, let's take a look back at the two most recent games the Lionesses have played. Austria away and Luxembourg at home. Only a point was required. They got that. And here to talk with me about it is Lionesses fan, Rachel Major. Hello, Rachel. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Good, thank you. We are going to Australia and New Zealand. Brilliant, brilliant. It's uh, It's been quite the summer, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Very successful summer. Loved every uh, minute. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I don't want to say it, but it, it was a foregone conclusion, really, wasn't it? Only a point needed going to Austria. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even if Austria gave us a hard time, I, you know, we didn't get the point there. It was, you know, probably sure that, you know, we would achieve it against Luxembourg, given yeah. our past meetings. I mean, you say it could have been a bit trickier, and and there is a chance now that, Lionesses games they will they will find games a little bit more trickier because we are now seen as a scalp aren't we mm, definitely definitely and you know we lost we lost two big players recently you know in uh Ellen and Jill as well it's all change up front because Ellen's been our striker for for such a long time now so you know we've had we've had change there but it's all going well that's right I mean the changes that have come in uh I mean they've been whilst it seems to in a doesn't change things too much. The changes that she's made to replace Ellen and Jill have been made sort of very subtly, I guess, with you like the Russo, just subtly coming in as a substitute and obviously being involved in, in the Euros, that when she's asked now to come in in a game against Austria, a, a big game like this, it was it was natural for her. Yeah, I, re- I really like her. She's she's got the the same height that Ellen has, and seems to have that um, you know determination to to get them goals. You know, she's in kind of like the same positions you would see Ellen in as well. I think um, it's a really good choice to have her as our number one striker. 
Yeah, she's uh, exciting. You know, young player, exciting to watch. You know, hungry for goals. Really great. That's right. And she got the first goal over there in. Yeah. yeah. I tucked it away on. Was it on the volley that one? Just sort of as she was falling away. Yeah, she she definitely leaned out for it and tucked it in. Yeah, definitely falling, kind of falling backwards. Now you didn't go to to Austria, but I I assume you know some people that did. Uh, I've been uh, chatting with some people on Twitter that went, yeah, it, it wasn't the easiest of games uh, to get tickets for, unfortunately, because England didn't have an allocation. Uh, that's actually quite normal. Since 2006, um, where I've been going home and away games, I've only known of um, two games that have had an actual away allocation that we could buy from the FA. Um, that was Belgium away. Uh, for a friendly after the 2019 World Cup. And then most recently, um, the World Cup qualifier um, in Northern Ireland. Yeah. And we only got the away allocation there due to the work that um, Debs um, at Free Lionesses did with the FSA. So there wasn't going to be one for that either. So you have to go onto their websites, you know, hit the translate to English button so you can read it and figure out how to get um, tickets and just guess at the best place to sit. Like for the recent uh, friendly against Switzerland, uh, we looked early and just if you can get on early, you find out kind of a good place and you say to everyone, you put it all over social media, right, this is the block we're going for. So at least people can uh, can try and sit with you. But Austria sold out so quickly that some of the English fans didn't didn't really have a chance to to get in. So everyone was tweeting and, you know, looking for spare tickets. Mm. And the people that we were trying to help out, thankfully someone came back and they did they did sort them out with a couple of tickets. So they did get to go. They'd already booked the trip as well because usually it's quite – historically it's been quite easy to get tickets to a women's game. Yeah. I, I'm so glad they got in. So. Yeah. I, I watched the game and saw the stadium um it was a stadium that was what about 40 minutes outside of vienna i think something like that and there was behind the goal was all covered up and having read about all the the issues with tickets it seemed a bit sort of naive to to cover that up and it seemed like there was a there was more space that could have been had but as well obviously now the the interest the the lionesses are now bringing to the nation and and people want to watch them more they'll be interested in in going abroad and watching them Mm. is it time that the fa stepped up now on behalf of supporters of the lionesses and and actively got allocations for away tickets i think so um i think it's something that we've wanted um for a little while now just to have the same benefits really that the fans of the men's team get because I believe their away scheme is very well organised. Um, so it would be nice to have that. I can appreciate, though, however, that um, the Euros was massive and it was the biggest one yet. So um, potentially Austria had that stadium booked. You know, mm. they would have had that stadium booked well before the Euros blew up. You know, and even for their own fans, um only in a 3,000-seater stadium, they might have struggled to get tickets as well. So they would have bought – they did well in the competition, so they would have bought a lot of new fans as well, I would imagine. But 
but yeah definitely you know just to give people peace of mind and and just make it easy for people because if we want to have a legacy and build the game I think you've got to start at you know if you want to make games accessible to people you have to start with making it easy for people to buy a ticket yeah if you can't go then you're not going to go and then how many times would that happen to you before you maybe lost interest you're right you're very right yeah i think there is now there is now needs to be thought from the fa to to seek out a way tickets or source away tickets and i don't know maybe maybe very quickly down the line set up some sort of similar supporters club to what the to what the the, the men's team have the the England supporters travel club um if it's going to make it easier for supporters to to get tickets and and to go away with that peace of mind of having a ticket then, then it's got to be a no-brainer that as you say there is there is a legacy that that is trying to be built yeah yeah definitely and you know the the fact that it is there for the men's side of the game it just shows that the infrastructure is there they're not going to have to, to build anything from scratch mm. uh, just you know adapt it or or switch it on or even combine the two you know it's there uh, yeah. we we can use it and yeah. maybe maybe they didn't think that people people would travel for it but there has been a group of people that have traveled for years now so the interest is there granted not as big as it is for the men's side but but like you said earlier it, it's definitely something that could now grow yeah i agree i agree fa you need to to listen you need to pull your finger out and yeah watch this space nikita paris she got the the second goal in the second half um following some great interplay great to see her scoring once again isn't it yes yes brilliant really good for her really like her as a player i'm an arsenal fan it didn't seem to work out um, for her there uh, for whatever reason but you know she's got a new club now she's scoring goals for England and I think she could do very well definitely always rated her yeah yeah she's now she's now Manchester United women um, Nikita Paris um, and Lauren James I I didn't think actually she would play or in the uh, in the game in Austria I thought she'd play in the the Luxembourg game but she made her debut over there and and in doing so I think she became the part of the first brother and sisters to uh, to play for England. Yeah, yeah, really pleased for her. She she's such an exciting um young player as well. Uh because I believe she did uh she has played like with the youth teams as well. And uh well back in the day she did play for for Arsenal as well, so saw her there, but definitely an exciting player. Unfortunately, she she had an injury, didn't she? She was mm. out for a while. But um yeah, definitely one for the future. She should get more, you know, game time going forward. Absolutely. And then obviously winning 2-0 there, the the place in, in the World Cup finals was achieved. It was then for a almost a homecoming party um mm. at Stoke of all places. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Luxembourg were the opponents, a team who would beaten 10-0 away from home in the uh, in the previous uh qualifying game. I, I tweeted it's it's got to be double figures again. Mm. And uh just just made it on the uh, the ninetieth minute. Yeah. Um, it's a game that you, that you managed to get to. I did manage to get there. Yeah, I I left early. I got to Stoke around three o'clock. Um, I did have to go straight to the stadium though because our tickets didn't actually arrive until the day after. And <laughs> um, I'd seen a lot. I know, right? 
I'd seen, <laughs> it's not like the fixture hadn't sold out weeks and weeks ago. No. Um, paper tickets, though, that that's the issue that um, uh, many people had because, you know, we, we were in a, in a luxury, really, in the Euros with the digital ticketing system that was in use. Right. And even even your club game is a digital ticket. So to, to be waiting on paper tickets, it's just a stress that you don't really need. Um, so I got there early, got the tickets all sorted. But I probably noticed that um, the, the stadium was half empty at kickoff. That is because they put into place a park and ride um, scheme. Right. People paid for in advance and they ran out of buses. Some really? people walked. Yeah, it was it was absolutely, you know, terrible. I had some um one of our friends was, you know, quite upset really because you know, what was important is like we know we'd already qualified. What was really important was, you know, seeing Jill Scott bring that trophy out, seeing Serena receive her award, you know, singing the national anthem, which you know, for all we know, we might be singing different words ne- next time we have to see, sing that song, you know, yeah. it's part for us to, you know, stand there and sing that. So it's, it was quite upsetting for people. I've heard stories of people that that didn't go at all. You know, they might not have been able enough to, to walk that two miles. Um, really, really disappointed. To be fair, it's the worst organised game I've been to ever, I think. No. But- who where does the responsibility lie for that is that the local council laying on these buses that from what i can gather they weren't enough of um was it the the planning route was it the fa i don't know how much influence the fa had on that we're not even really sure to be honest uh, who's who's at fault i mean you first start with people not having tickets um I think with the the tickets, I think just to maybe say there was a postal strike, though, wasn't there? There was, but it's not like that came as a surprise, I don't think. I think we knew that they were going to strike. And if if a game is already sold out, um, you know, weeks ago and these strikes are coming up, then then what's wrong with getting them tickets out early? Yeah, yeah, that's true. um, People were just going back to school as well. So you could have had people on holiday. So, you know, you'd want them on your doorstep when you got back kind of thing. Like, yes. you know, it'd be nice if you got back, your tickets are there. That's that's something that, you know, everyone's like messaging. And Stoke did eventually put a message out, but I believe they needed some some prompting to do that, hmm. um, which is which is disappointing. Um, if you're getting a lot of inquiries, the best thing to do is, you know, if, you, if you've got more than 10, <laughs> 20 inquiries, maybe maybe put a tweet out or something. Uh, there's clearly an issue. Yeah, save yourself the trouble and the phone calls. Just just put something out to help people. But I know that um, the FSA is gathering information on what was happening with the park and rides, and, and they are going to take that somewhere because it's, not, it's yeah. not the right way to treat our supporters. And for some people that didn't get to go to a Euros game, again, that might have been their first experience of an England game. And it was a giant faff. And uh, people may have that. It's like, oh, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Uh, even understandable. By, yeah, it, it was horrible to get to by public transport, to be honest. I got off the train and then there was a bus, but you'd be waiting half an hour for a bus. And to get there, you walk along a canal. It's all right, I've got here. 
there is no way I'm walking home along this canal. Right. <laughs> so I'll be in it. <laughs> you just you can't you can't have like if you look at the audience type as well, it's different. I know it must happen for men's football matches, and it's probably not right there either. But there is a lot more like women and children at these games that um, don't feel overly safe walking places like that, um, especially especially at night. Yeah. So I'm not sure it was an ideal location. Uh, bit, yeah, I mean, let's hope lessons can be learned and the uh, the reasoning can be found out. And yeah, going forward, if Stoke is going to host a game again, that they can do it in a in a in a better manner. Uh, but obviously, the game ten um, nil um, goals from Stanway, Russo, Daly, Mead, uh, Beth England got a couple. Nikita Paris got a similar one to the one she got against Austria. Ella Toon got a penalty, and Lauren Hemp scored ten nil. Um, as I've I've said a couple of times. It's all fun scoring these goals and, and seeing us win by big margins. But after a while, I, I sat there. I mean, I, granted that when the 10th goal went in, I was like, yes, they've, they've hit double figures. But 7th, 8th, ninth, I was like, okay, great. Well done. Um, mm. I kind of lose my, not enthusiasm because I'm, I'm always watching it, but I don't celebrate those goals so much um what what's your thoughts on people you know um sort of reflecting on some of these big score lines yeah I get I get what you're saying I mean we still did like I I guess my celebrations were maybe a bit muted still celebrated yeah but maybe a bit muted whereas some of my friends um celebrated a little bit more because they missed they missed the first half so you know that, that goes to them but yeah it's I still celebrate it. I'm in a stadium, my team's scoring goals and, you know, it's encouraging that there are different scorers and there was some great play leading up to those goals. So it's good to celebrate that. Yeah. But when I watched the highlights that that I really felt for their keeper, I mean, she's only young as well, wasn't she? Yeah. So you can only play what's in front of you. And I don't think this team would ever deliberately take it easy on anyone because they've got this mentality of, of being winners now. And that's at whatever it takes. You know, you want to win and you want to win well. And all of those goals is is good for them because it, it will bring them confidence going into into our next game. You know, yeah. we're playing the, the world champions next. So, but is it that we do need another pathway? Should we have had some of those massive scores that we've had? Should Should there almost be like a pre-qualification almost? you know, with the nations that are, are ranked lower to, you know, bring the best ranked nations up because can't be that good for them to be losing by that much. That's really. my feelings. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you say, the, the goalkeeper there, she was so young, but to her credit, she she did make a couple of cracking saves. Yeah. Um, but after a while, if, if you are being, if you're having to pick the ball out 10 times, a game, it's not just goalkeeper that's going to feel frustrated. The whole team is is going to feel demoralised. Um, but I, I certainly think there needs to be something looked at, as you say, either a pre-qualifier or a a similar Nations League setup that mm. is in the men's game. Could we? This is qualifying for obviously the World Cup, and we haven't seen 
qualify we didn't have to qualify for the euros so there yeah. were no big scores to maybe sort of say this is the second qualifying period around now that there's been lots of goals um mm. and it's not just us scoring lots of goals i think it was uh someone beat someone 15 nil um the other yeah, night Austria did really well it was yeah. well in, in the group yeah but having said that the netherlands um were held nil nil right until the last minute against iceland it's maybe swings and roundabouts but i certainly think it needs to be just had a uh, a look out and a few tweaks here and there um mm. But as you say, we've got America next month, the world champions. Um, I certainly won't be a, a big score like that. And the Czech Republic down in Brighton. Yes. Two exciting games. Yeah, looking forward to them. Looking forward to it. Last time the USA came to London, they lost. So hoping to repeat that. <laughs> Would be good. Yep. And Brighton is a uh, obviously a happy hunting ground down there of late and I, I can't remember any recent games against the Czech Republic I have to be honest no I can't I can't off the top of my head think of any but again you know it's going to be a good occasion the you know they've got good infrastructure down there as well so you know worrying about these past games um you know and getting there and having all all the nightmares that people have had it's encouraging that our next game is at Wembley and you know the the one after that is going to be at Brighton so you know you've got a few less travel kind of worries yeah. taken away from you. So, you know, that fills us with confidence. And we know they're great stadiums as well. So we're going to pack a lot of people in. So really, really looking forward to those, those yeah. games. One final thing before we, uh, before we wrap it up, um, mm-hmm. Kira Walsh, one of yeah. maybe <laughs> seems bizarre to say, uh, maybe one of the Lioness's unsung heroes throughout the tournament we all know quite how good she is um but just what i don't think she was picked in the team of the tournament in the end um but has made the move from manchester city to barcelona that's that's got to be a great move going forward hasn't it i think for her yeah like you say like unsung hero i think i think that's been going on uh for a while now um that she she's an absolutely fantastic player but you know if you don't put a foot wrong you know you don't draw that attention to you. And maybe if you're not scoring goals, you're not drawing so much attention to you. So, you know, she doesn't put a foot wrong. So I think it's really good that, you know, people are recognising her now and it's it's going to be a big loss for, for our league. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, only, only good for her. And really only good. good for England in the long term. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I've no doubt then, I don't know when the uh, the Spanish league gets going um but i guess by the time the uh the america game and the czech republic games come around she would have had a few games under her belt mm, definitely alongside lucy bronze yeah yeah they're gonna get some some good game time out there and i'm not sure their league is as competitive as ours looking at you know how the scores have been um but but definitely they have a you know the spanish sides they do have a, a different style of play it's you know fluid and lot of passing so we saw that you know when we played Spain the way they would just try and pass their way around us so you know that's only gonna add to our game which is fantastic for us yeah no that's good exciting times exciting times Rachel thank you very much once again for joining us let's speak maybe after the the USA and the Czech Republic game well thank you for having me and we'll speak soon lovely cheers, cheers. 
thank you to Rachel there for her time. Hopefully we'll speak again with her after those games against the USA and the Czech Republic. Now she mentioned about singing God Save the Queen just there. And it is the sad news with the passing of our Queen Elizabeth II who died on the 8th of September 2022, aged 96. She had been head of state since her coronation in 1952. I am very pleased that this country is acting as host for the final phases of the World Cup. I welcome all our visitors and feel sure that we shall be seeing some fine football. It now gives me great pleasure to declare open the eight World Football Championships. Just there, that's her, opening up the 1966 World Cup Finals, held here, of course, in England. And then famously, handed Bobby Moore the Jules Rimet Trophy from the Royal Box, dressed in a yellow overcoat and matching hat with long white gloves. And of course, she would often hand the FA Cup over to the winning captain from that very same spot. England Football Online is a great source of England trivia. There, it says, under Her Majesty's reign, England played 764 times, winning 425, drawing 204, and losing just 135. And whilst we've been talking about the Lionesses on this episode, one of her most recent messages came after the girls had won this summer's European Championships. She said, My warmest congratulations and those of my family go to you all on winning the Women's European Championships. It is a significant achievement for the entire team, including your support staff. The Championships and your performance in them have rightly won praise. However, your success goes far beyond the trophy you have so deservedly earned. You have set an example that will be an inspiration for girls and women today and for future generations. It is my hope that you will be as proud of the impact you have had on your sport as you are of the result today. As England fans, singing the national anthem God Save the Queen has been an integral part of that matchday experience, sung loud and proud before, during and after games. We'll never see the like of her again, but I can think of no more fitting way to end this episode than with the national anthem from the Euro 96 semi-final. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand for the national anthem. 